0: All right. well my name is Tyler and I'm one of the pastors here at Coburg Alliance Church and I am preaching the third and the final week of our series called IF. One word, two letters, IF. And if you missed the past couple of weeks, I'm going to give you just a quick rundown. Week one, we asked this question. What if the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is is prayer, how life can be. Sometimes we read scripture, we read the Bible, we see some amazing things about healing and about all sorts of other crazy stuff, resurrection, and we wonder if that's life as it can be, why is life as it is different? And sometimes the answer to that as we explored in week one is prayer. And in week two, we asked this question, what if the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is, is the size of our prayers? Hannah had an incredible prayer for a baby, but she also had to be vulnerable with God. And so we explored that in week two. And in week three, we're going to continue in this series all about, all about prayer, but I have a question for you to start. Can you raise your hand if you've ever seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? Yeah, and all the moms and the dads and the grandparents, they're raising their hands because, yeah, they've seen the movie Encanto. Once in a while, Disney, with all of its controversy at times, hits a grand slam, and I think they did with Encanto. I love this movie. It's phenomenal, and it's a good thing I love this movie because every Monday night we have a family movie night at my house. We make pizza, and we watch whatever my daughter chooses to watch, and every Monday night for the past five months she's chosen Encanto. (laughs) So I know this movie very well. I don't know that she's aware that there are other options. I don't know that she would care. She loves it and I do too. Encanto is set in Colombia. And who said yes? Are you from Colombia? Have you seen this movie? Yes! Awesome! Yes! You're gonna have to tell me afterward how accurate it is. Is it pretty accurate? No! Well, we're going to have to discover why, so I'm going to tell you the story of Encanto first, and then maybe later you can tell us why it's not. Well, here's the story of Encanto anyway. It's set in Colombia, and this movie follows this family that's been blessed by a magical candle, and it gives special abilities to any of the blood relatives of the grandmother. She's the matriarch of this family. One girl gets super strength. One can create flowers from thin air, and one little boy, he can talk to animals, and all these gifts are meant to be used for the benefit of the community. And this ceremony takes place at a certain age for all of the kids to get their special ability, and this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal for the family. It's a huge deal for the community. Everybody shows up to this public ceremony, but unfortunately, this one girl, she's the main character in this movie. Her name is Mirabelle, and she doesn't get a special ability. She's the only one. Nobody knows why, but Encanto is all about her relationship with her family. She's kind of the odd one out, and there's tension throughout that Mirabelle experiences. And at some point, we discover something. The magic is breaking. And we learn that to save the magic, Mir- one of the things Mirabelle has to do is make amends with her sister. She doesn't want to. She had all this tension with her sister over the course of her life, and when she discovers what it takes to save the magic, she reacts strongly against this notion. She can't believe it. She can't believe what it's going to take, and even after she swallows the fact that she has to do it, in the moment of restoration, she just can't spit it out. When a healed relationship has the potential to become real, she can't go through with it. There's a lot more to this story of healing. It's healing the magic of the place given by this candle, but it's also the healing of relationship that has to happen here. And Kanto is all about healing, about wholeness among family members. The brokenness of the place is actually just a reflection of the brokenness of this family, and the place will be healed when the family is healed, but the family. They have a hard time reckoning with what has to take place for this healing to happen. And Encanto draws out one of our key questions for today. What if healing is sometimes about more than just that thing that we want to be healed? What if it's more than that? Of course, healing is about that thing. It's about the cancer. It's about the broken relationship. It's about the chronic back issue. But what if sometimes God wants us to see more than that? In Encanto, the family saw that the magic was breaking. They wanted to save their home and the magic, but healing the home and healing the magic was about way more than that. It was far deeper. It was about healing their broken expectations, which would then heal their broken relationships, which would then heal the magic in the home. Well, listen, you can guess how Encanto ends. You can guess. It's a Disney movie. It's made for kids and it's made to make grown moms cry. And it did. My wife cried. She loves this movie. She's a softie. I'm not going to give away the ending. Just go watch it yourself. But the theme that we discover in Encanto, that narrow or misaligned expectations can alter our path to healing. It's the same as the story that we're going to read in a moment from Second Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we discover Naaman. Naaman is a stud in the ancient Near East. He's a mighty warrior. He's the commander of a king's army. He's been given favor by God in his role as commander. And all this has kind of made him a proud person who at the same time has leprosy. In the ancient Near East, leprosy could have been a bunch of things. It was kind of this umbrella term that encompassed skin diseases. We know he had some kind of skin disease, but leprosy proper, it affected the nerves. Today it's called Hansen's disease and it's treatable today, but if it's left untreated, it can be totally crippling and it wasn't treatable back then. They didn't know anything about it. With a steady increase in nerve damage, a person can't feel so they'll get bruised they'll get cut they'll get damaged and they're not aware of the damage that's happening to their bodies on top of that though it's not actually highly contagious in the ancient near east they thought it was and so if you got leprosy at some point you joined a leper colony and you lived as an outcast so for naaman his days are numbered you can imagine him desperate to do whatever he had to do to be healed But the story actually is a little more interesting than that. There's a lot going on in 2 Kings chapter 5 that might intrigue you, and it is worth exploring, but we're going to focus on a few key points. For now, let's read together this story from 2 Kings chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to it. You're also going to see it up on the screen. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who'd been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Aram and Israel, they didn't have a good relationship. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him, Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he'll learn That there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry. And stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, "'Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it?' So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, "'Go and wash and be cured.'" So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times, as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed." Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth." From this place and I will take it back home with me. From now on I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master the king goes into the temple of the god Rimen to worship there and leans on my arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow to. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. Like I said in a manner of speaking just a moment ago, Naaman is kind of a big deal. He hears about this prophet Elisha that can heal. He gets permission to go see Elisha. He brings a ton of goodies to pay for this healing. He ends up a little confused. He goes to the king first, who obviously can't heal, and eventually ends up in the right place. And Naaman approaches Elisha with horses and chariots. There's all this fanfare. There's money. There's clothing. And Naaman, is a guy that's kind of a big deal, gets a messenger. Elisha, the prophet, doesn't even show up in person. He sends a messenger, and this whole scene makes the hair on the back of Naaman's neck stand up. He can't believe it. Naaman expected Elisha himself. He thought he'd wave his hand in some semi-magical way and heal him, but instead, Elisha tells him something that Naaman could have done in his own homeland. He could have done this in rivers much better than the Jordan. Naaman's mad. He doesn't believe he's going to be healed by Elisha, and he storms off. From the very beginning, Naaman had an expectation that he would be or possibly could be healed. That's why he's there. Why make that journey if you don't think that you can be healed? But he had particular expectations. And it's those expectations that blocked Naaman from being healed at the very outset. Maybe you haven't thought much about supernatural healing. Maybe you've heard about it, but you've heard about it here and there, I don't know. Well, it takes, it doesn't take long, rather, after reading scripture to realize that healing is all over the place. And God heals people in many different, and I think at least to us nowadays, very strange ways in the Bible. There's one instance where Mud is smeared on a man's eyes, and he has to go wash. And once he washes that mud off, he's healed. In one instance, Jesus speaks a word from a distance, and someone is healed. That person isn't even in the room. In another instance, Jesus heals someone's vision twice before they're fully healed. That's a strange story. This guy can't see, and Jesus heals his vision, and he says, How is your, how's your vision and the guy responds, well, everybody sort of just looks like fuzzy trees walking around. And so Jesus heals him again. And the man can see there are some strange stories of healing in the Bible. And the one that we read today is no different. He's got to wash in the Jordan seven times to be healed. The point is this. At least one condition for healing is this openness to the way that God himself wants to heal. We can approach God at times Kind of like Naaman approached Elisha with these narrow expectations for how this is all supposed to work. God, I want to be healed, but only under certain controlled conditions. I know I've done this. God, I want to be healed, but only when I pray by myself in my room at home. I just want this to be a private thing. I don't want it to be uncomfortable. And when we place our expectations on God, it's possible that we miss the way God himself wants to heal what if the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is, is expectation? What if it's expectation? Maybe you expect God to answer your prayer exactly as you ask it. Naaman had this clear vision for how he was going to get healed. Elisha, I'm going to pay you money. I'm going to give you clothing. You're going to wave your hand. You're going to pray to your God, and I'm going to be healed. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go about my life. But that wasn't God's way. Maybe you expect God to answer you immediately. I've done this many times. Man, you tell me to pray and I prayed and I wasn't healed right away. So I guess that's that. Naaman didn't get healed right away. And in fact, he was going to have to travel to the Jordan River. He was going to have to dip seven times for healing. He expected something very different. But that wasn't God's way. Maybe you expect God to answer your prayer for healing the first time. Naaman had to wash in the water seven times. Why not three? Why not four? Why not five? Why seven times? It's possible there's some significance to that number in particular. For the Hebrew people, seven meant complete or it meant whole So maybe there's something symbolic about becoming whole, but surely God could have healed Naaman with one dip in the Jordan, right? He could have healed him with one dip in the Jordan. So why seven? Why not one dip? It wasn't God's way. Maybe you expect God to heal one thing, but he opens up the need to heal something else. Naaman discovered that he went for healing for his leprosy, But he needed healing in his relationship with God. That was what ended up getting fixed in addition to his leprosy. Before coming to Coburg, I lived in Kentucky with my wife, Emily, and we both went to a handful of churches, one of which was this vineyard church. And we loved this church. We loved this community. And they were very open to God healing. I think we prayed for healing after every service. And they were open to God speaking to specific people in the church. And so they had people in the church who had prophetic gifts. And what that means in this case is that they would just listen before and during the service to see if God was saying something specific to or for their people. And then at the end of the service, oftentimes there's this one guy who would get up and he would say, and he was very humble about his approach. He was very humble when he said this. He said, we feel like God is saying there's maybe someone here who needs healing for a back issue or a chronic stomach problem or whatever it was they sensed God was saying to them and they would encourage people to come forward for prayer. Well, Emily and I, we'd been going for a bit and I developed this lower back issue. I had this lower back issue for actually a long time. But it had flared up because of a new job. I was traveling a lot. I was in the car quite a bit. So this chronic thing had flared up More than usual. And at the end of the service, they said, we feel like there is someone here with a chronic lower back issue. And of course, I sort of look around. Like, you? Is that you? Are you the one? I didn't expect it. I ignored it. I didn't go up and I thought, well, if it's real, then maybe they'll say something next week. But I knew it was for me. So sure enough, They said the exact same thing next week. And I thought, man, I don't really know these people that well yet. I haven't been here for very long. I don't know these people. Going up to the front feels kind of weird. I wrestled with it for a bit, and eventually I went to the front. I get up there, and I tell them what the issue was, and they talk to me for a little bit. And the guy that was praying for me tells me that he feels like I'm carrying this heavy weight on my shoulders. So I go up there to get prayer for my lower back and he starts talking to me about this heavy weight that he sensed I'd been carrying. And sure enough, right before moving to Kentucky, I'd finished back-to-back tours overseas with, with the U.S. Army. So you better believe that I was carrying some stuff on my shoulders. This weight, that stuff sticks with you for a while. You don't come back and just let it go. And so not only did this guy pray for my back, but he prayed for the weight on my shoulders. And in that moment two things happened. My back was healed not forever. It wasn't a permanent healing but I undoubtedly felt relief in that moment from the pain that I'd been experiencing and I felt I felt something that I'd needed from God in that moment. Which was a knowledge that God saw me. It was a deeply personal moment for me because I'd been carrying this weight and I needed to know that God saw what I was carrying and that he was doing something about it. That he was at least present with me in these moments. God didn't just see and care about people in general, about other people, he cared about me and that was powerful for me. I think God, God could have healed my back and he could have showed me how deeply he cared in some other way. In that private moment of prayer, I prayed about this a million times prior, but that wasn't God's way. Maybe you expect God to heal one thing, but He opens up an avenue for healing something else. And maybe you expect God to heal you because of your status, because you're kind of a big deal. Your job, your family name, your position in the church, your reputation in the community. Naaman's a big deal. And for Naaman, that was supposed to mean something. He came to Elisha with all his pomp and his circumstance and his gifts and his status. And Elisha sends a messenger. Elisha sends a nobody. And you can tell from the text that Naaman expected something far different. Maybe Naaman, with all his status before his own king, he'd become used to certain treatment. He'd become used to being elevated in the presence of others, but that wasn't God's way. Naaman doesn't get that yet. He doesn't get that that wasn't God's way. Naaman expected Elisha to be the one to heal, but Elisha knows the truth, that only God heals. And so Elisha can send a messenger and Elisha can tell Naaman to go do something unexpected, by washing in the Jordan seven times, and that way it's abundantly clear to Naaman and to everyone else that it was God who healed. No one else. There's no confusion about whose power was at work. God healed Naaman. That's why Elisha doesn't accept any payment. If he accepts payment, there's confusion. But because of how God heals and how Elisha functions in the story, Naaman isn't confused, he's confident. And he declares this at the end, Now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. He still doesn't get the gift part. But it's clear that he's convinced that the God of Elisha is real. And is the only God in all the world. Which is a bold statement in a world with many, many tribal gods. Turns out that Naaman's narrow expectations almost caused him to miss something remarkable. Not just his own supernatural healing, but this newfound relationship with the only real God in the world. God's ways, at least to me, I have to be honest, they can be really strange. God's ways don't always make sense in the moment. They didn't make sense to Naaman, but he could see it all clearly clearly in retrospect, and in the end, Naaman's obedience resulted in his healing and his proclamation that God was real. What if the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is is expectation? Specifically, these narrow expectations that put God in this box and prevent us from following through with obedience, This obedience that can make it clear that it was no one else but God who answered our prayers. It was no one but God who healed. This can't be coincidence. And that builds my confidence. In a moment, we're going to have eight people from our prayer team come forward. And they're going to take places kind of up front here. You'll get a little bit more instruction from Janice in a moment. But you're going to have a chance to come forward to receive prayer for healing. It's the healing of whatever it is that's ailing you. My hope is that because we, look, well, we looked a little bit deeper at healing in the story of Naaman, that our expectations for what God might be doing through this process have aligned more clearly with God's way, which is often unexpected. My hope is that because because of this, We're a bit more open to this fundamental mystery that coincides with healing in the Bible. It's a mystery. One of the reasons I think God heals in so many different and seemingly mysterious ways throughout the Bible is so that we can continually remember that it is God who heals by his will. It's not Elisha's will. It's not my will. It's not the will of anybody who's going to come forward. It's by God's will. Healing is this broad term. We've actually talked a lot about healing that's physical because that's the story of Naaman, although he's also spiritually healed in the story. And maybe you're like Naaman, and maybe you have a physical need, but you might also have a need for healing in other areas. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's social. You've got a broken relationship. And you need healing for some of the scars or some of the deep damage that has been done. Today we're being intentional about opening ourselves up to the healing that God can bring. And if God is calling you to come forward to receive prayer, then we encourage you to take that step. You might be like me in the story from my time in Kentucky. You're not sure that you know us well enough, and I get that. Or maybe you hate coming forward in situations like that and I get that. Maybe this is your first time at our church or maybe you're joining us online and this is our healing service. I get it. If that's you, then I'd encourage you to put away those question marks and listen to God's prompting or listen to your own heart if you have this desire to come forward. A desire to step forward in faith. None of us know what God is going to do today. None of us know what God will do in these moments, but we know that God might choose today to do something special in your life. And so we're going to take the opportunity to open up to the reality that God is a miracle worker who still works today. Before I invite Janice Buck up to help lead us in this healing service, let me just close with a couple more thoughts. First, we do believe that God heals in many ways, supernaturally and naturally. And we think God is active in both of those things, in both of those ways, by supernatural means and through modern medicine and exercise and healthy food choices and all of that. Ten years ago or so, I started experiencing this consistent and this long lasting stomach pain. It was aching, it was awful. And knowing myself back then, I probably had already prayed a million times about it. But it was this, at least what it felt like to me, this chance encounter with a friend of mine who said, hey, I'm on the paleo diet, why don't you just try it, fix some things for me. So I did. I tried it, and then I consulted with a doctor. I tried removing gluten from my diet, and sure enough, it's been 10 years, and I haven't had that consistent pain since. I think God was active in helping me see what needed to happen to get a healthy gut. God is active in the supernatural, and he's active in the natural. Second, God might say to you a handful of things if you come forward for prayer. He might say, be healed permanently. He might say, be healed for now. He might say, not yet. And God might say, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness because there is another purpose to be found in your situation. God might say a range of things, just be open to what God is saying to you. Be open to God's response. And finally, you might have seen some funny things on TV or online. Raise your hand. Have you seen some funny things on TV or online when it comes to healing services? You don't have to raise your hand. It's fine. I know we all have. We've seen some things that maybe make us cringe or immediately feel a little bit strange. So I want you to know just a couple things. Number one, there is no one planted in the service. We're not asking people to come forward. We're not saying come forward so that We've got this whole thing planned that's not the case for us. We believe healing comes from God and the approach we're using is the same approach as what we discovered in these moments with Elisha. It's not about money or the show or anything else. It's about obedience and faith-filled expectation that God may want to heal you in this moment. That's what this is about.